0: Okay, every time we want to start studying, we charge up our spirits. How do we do it? By declaring God's word. That's what we do. All right, so let's declare God's word as we start to study today. We are declaring the word of God so as to charge our spirits so that we'll be able to understand. Spiritual um, Understanding the scriptures is not natural intellect. It's not a result of human learning. It's because of the empowerment, the enabling of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we tap into when we declare the word of God. All right, the Lord is good. So let's declare it. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. Again, I say to you, understanding has come to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. And confusion is wiped out of your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen direction clarity is your portion in jesus name Amen. you know one day one lady came here to talk to me <laughs> we have bible studies, now asked a question at the end it had to do with money and all of that so i said listen my dear sister uh, this this is not what i understand this is what i think you should do when it comes to money offerings and all of that he said but other pastors said this i said i'm not the one that said it No what she now said you pastors you please stop confusing us. <laughs> That's what she said to me right here. That was a few years ago. Say, said, you pastors you please, as if all of you please try and agree, and stop confusing us. I said, well, what can I do? <laughs> and then why did I say that? Confusion has gone out of your life in Jesus' name. Amen. You will have personal understanding. You will know the word of God. You will be able to spot error from a distance in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that's the aim of this thing, so that each one will know the Lord, not depending on what somebody else is saying or what somebody else is thinking. Now, what, what, why do we do all of this thing? So that we can understand the scriptures. Jesus said, You err, not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. And that's my prayer for you again today, that you will know the scriptures and you will understand the power of God in Jesus' name. Alright, the Lord is good. All the time. Let's take our seats quickly and let's continue studying the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, we'll go on in chapter 6. If you have been following us, you know that we have been reading these two uh, portions side by side. That is Ephesians and um, Colossians, because they are very parallel. They are very parallel. And um, last time we read extensively from chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians, uh, of Colossians, sorry, from the book of Colossians, but we found out that Paul expounded these things more to the in the Ephesians later. So we are going to, we, we, for that reason, we're taking more time to read the one to the Ephesians on the issue of relationships. We have been seeing a lot of things. We have already understood that Paul wrote in two parts. The first part is um, theoretical, is fundamental, is foundational doctrine, it's spiritual. On the second part, we have the practical application of those things that are spiritual, and we have been looking at that. That is, if the spiritual things are real, and if you are focused on them, These are the things that will manifest in your life. And where we are is on the matter of relationships. Paul gave us a lot of things to do. Don't lie to one another. Don't defraud one another. Don't walk in sexual immorality. He now got to the matter of relationships and he slowed down and began to talk in details. That tells us that our relationships in life is one major area where our Christianity is proved. One major area where our Christianity, our faith is expressed. You know, it's easy for you to say you believe in God. James said, even the demons, they say that and they tremble. How do you prove that you believe in God? You say you cannot say that you love God that you can't see when you don't love the people that you can see. The proof to you, even yourself, that you love God is how you love people. If you are very, very, very hard and mean towards people, but you claim to love God, no matter what you do, you know, you may be deceived. Your love is actually false. You know, the other day when we were going for, um, um, I went to preach, Our three of us went. My wife, Yinka, and I were talking. I we refer to one man that Yinka and I know. My wife doesn't know. We're talking about him. He's a big businessman. And this man, in the society where he lived, he was known to be a hard man, a mean man. He didn't help anybody. He was not kind to his workers. All right? He paid as little as possible. It was very mean, hard. It was known for it for decades. However, <coughs> he went to, in church. He said, oh, his man is very humble. Well, at least he went to church and became an usher. <laughs> he went to church and went to eventually went to Bible school and became an ordained minister. That's it. So you see all his religion that people could see were those things that he did in church. You get to church and be collecting offerings. He spent 20 million naira to buy a pipe organ for his church. (laughs) Most Nigerians don't know what they call pipe organs. You need to just watch American churches and see the root. I mean, they had to reinforce the building to install the pipe organ. The cathedral could not hold the vibration of the pipe organ. So before they installed the pipe organ, the first thing the structural engineers did was to reinforce the building. In today's Naira, you're talking like a hundred million, two hundred million Naira to install. Just what are you going to hear from it? Yeah. Which a cog, you know what they call cog? Yes. The keyboard will do for you. But for him, it was the service of God. This is for my God. But his God said, How are you treating your fellow man? Are you getting my point here? Yes, sir. So it's in relationships we know what we really believe. If you want to know how much idolatry is in your life, check how much you do supposedly for God, but you're not willing to do for people. You're not willing for, to do for inconsequential people. That's when you know how much idolatry is in your life. That's why the way I preach, many preachers don't like it because of certain things I try to point out to, to, to the people of God. You know, We we preachers were guilty of teaching idolatry. We are guilty of it. What do I mean? Everybody, every married woman comes to church, and calls the bishop and the the pastor, papa, daddy, then calls her husband, Uche, (laughs) and it seems and it's okay with the bishop. I mean, it's okay. You understand my point? That is idolatry. Yeah, it's true. All right. People deny themselves to give to the work of God, in quotes, but they will never deny themselves to help somebody else. That's how you know you are walking idolatry. Christianity, God says, how do you know you love me? We said it last time, love for Christianity is defined, I mean, in relationships. By which relationship are you talking about and in which direction are you considering it? That is, the love between God and man. Right, if it's God for man, that relationship is give. That is God to man. So he gives them life. He gives only begotten son. He gives so that they will not perish. He gives the orphan food. He gives them raiment. He gives them, he gives them shelter. That's the way it is. But when it comes to man to God, it's obedience. Jesus said, if a man loves me, he will keep my word, and the Father will love him. That's the way it is. That is, you keep my word, the father can now find the avenue to bless you the way he wants to do it. That's just the way it is. When it comes to husband and wife, it's not about hugging and kissing. No, there are practical things also involved beyond that. Husband to wife, love your wife as Christ loved the church and he denied himself to make her better. Do you understand my point? He allowed himself to be insulted so that his wife would be blessed. He went to the cross stripped naked so that his wife would be taken care of as Christ loved the church. So how did Christ love the church? That is how a husband is supposed to love his wife. Self-denial. Preferring her in love. Going to the cross for her. So that if there's problem in the family, village matters. She knows that she would never agree to go if her husband is not there. And if her husband is there, she knows she's safe. His brothers, African brothers, confused non-believers, we call him names. Woman Rapa. They will call him names. He is not a man the way they expect men to be. God said, that is it. Jesus was insulted for your sake. Christian marriage is the only place on earth where women find liberty. That's the only place. If you go to traditional marriage, the only thing you can do, because marriage, the way God did it, it's impossible, except you do a number of things. One, you either obey the word of God and tap into the force of the spirit to keep it going. Or, you start doing things like put the women in the poodle. Make sure they don't have education like Afghanistan under the Taliban. That's the only way to keep order. The woman must not think. If she thinks, there will be a problem. Because she's a full human being like the man. So once she starts thinking, there will, be, there will be an issue. That's the way it is. Now if you don't do any of these two things, what happens is that you now start using other methods, which is, you subdue the woman. Are you getting my point? Then she will fear your punches, and there will be peace. And then one day you eat, you are dead, she has poisoned your food. <laughs> now so now, you you are the only one that has this? If you not get blue, you get sense. <laughs> hmm. That's it. Or, if that one is not allowed, it's simple, marry on Monday, divorce on Friday. That's the way it is, like they do in the Western world. You can't beat the woman, she can't, won't submit to you, she won't, enter to, she won't agree to enter into your, the huh. What are you going to do? So, you just keep marrying and divorcing. Most celebrities you know in the U.S., they've married two, three times, and they are divorcing currently. Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, <coughs> the latest one, some of them do just for the fun of it. Kim Kardashian spent a lot of noise. It used to irritate me. You open your news, they tell you Kim is getting married. Waiting, me? 72 days or 78 days later, she filed for divorce. It wasn't the filing for divorce that was the issue. Just, I, knew that way. I knew that was where it was going. But I just want you and I to read about it and talk about it. If I'm angry, I'm talking about it because I'm helping them fulfill their dreams. <laughs> but that is a consequence when the Word of God is not empowering it. You're getting my point here. That's a consequence when the Word of God is not empowering it. Let's get back to our own teaching. So God says, you want to see, show that you love me, you take care of your relationships. That's where it manifests. You, don't, you can't love God except you love people. How do I love God? How do I treat the Word of God? Now, talking about people now, how do I treat the ministers of the Word? How do I treat my friends? How do I treat my parents? How do I treat my boss at work? How do I treat my subordinates in the office? How do I treat those who work for me? Those are the signs of love for God. Let me say it again. There is no altar in Christianity. I hear people say all the time, one day I got home, you know, my mother is a very funny person. I don't even know which one she grew up I said. She's a good Christian, but when she goes to church on Sunday, one Reverend Father will say, say a lot of things, then she gets confused, then she <laughs> listens to me on Saturday, and then she wonder, what are these people saying? So she let just balance everything. So once in a while I get home, I'll see a shrine. No, it's called a shrine. Why are you shaking your head? You know what a shrine is. There's a place they put the image of um, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, a rosary, and light. No, well, can't look like your house be born. No. So, you know, it's a source of light. So, usually, when I get there, the first thing I do, please don't be offended if you are sensitive in that area, I put the whole thing down. I say, I've come home. They cannot be sure I'm standing while I'm in the house. My wife will say, You've come again. I say, Yes, don't worry. My mother is used to it. So, I, I say, I need that table those people are sitting on. <laughs> I always do that. I will remove the table and carry it to my room, the room where we are staying, and put my things on it. Say, senior, senior has come. I need the table. Because I know none of those people they've named are there. Jesus is not there. Mary is in heaven. Joseph is in heaven. Those people, they are not omnipresent. You can't pray to them. Don't fool yourself. They don't hear you from earth. They can't. There are some attributes that belong to God alone. Mm-hmm. Are you getting my point? Yes, Let's get it clear. In Christianity, we don't have altars and shrines. The only altar we have is in our hearts. I, I hope you're getting my point. No, Pentecostals have gotten so crazy too. They are not actually building physical altars. They are give giving glorified Pentecostal names. Altar of praise is still a shigidi. Call it anything you like. <laughs> altar of thanksgiving. Start, it's not start as a joke. Yes, Next thing you know, now they've already they've turned it into a habit. Even as they say, There's a corner in my house where I pray. It's okay when you, after I you destroy that corner. Because in Christianity, we are very careful. We are very careful. Once you turn that corner, it becomes a shrine. So one day when you're about to pray that corner, I say, no, not today. I'm going to the bathroom and I'm going to pray there. Not because you like anything about the tiles. It's just that you want to prove to that corner that you are not special. You are just convenient. There are days you do your intercession kneeling down on the white seat. Not the white seat. In the toilet now. Just deliberately. Ah, some of these people say, this are you serious? I'm very serious. You just you kneel down there, put your hands there. You are just trying to tell yourself there is nothing special about the location. There is nothing special. At this, you should lie on your bed and put your head on the floor. Just to prove. <laughs> when you've done it a number of times, at least, no, I'm not emphasizing something. So, listen, our own increased our God does not dwell in a building made with human hands. This thing here is not holy. It's not spiritual. It's a convenient tool. A platform. You don't come to pray and hold it. Do you follow my point? Where's the altar of God? It's in our hearts. It's what we do every day. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. How we relate with people, and that's where we are. Paul has been teaching us about that. That our relationships are so important, and I recommended that everybody should please listen to my, uh, read my tract. I wrote many years ago It is God and I. In everything, it is not the person. It's not your boss. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. It is God. It's God in those people that you are relating with. And there are, pre- uh, there are prescribed um, methods by which you relate with them. So we'll be looking at that. Now let's continue. Last time we saw the fact that... Let me just... I need to review this again. Very important, but I said I won't spend time on it when we come back. I just want to remind us that we saw that there's a difference between um, submission and obedience. We're going to read that today. We find out that obedience was commanded for children... We'll read that from chapter 5 today. Uh, sorry, from chapter 6, I wanted to say. We'll find out that obedience was commanded for children. But in chapter 5, when it came to wives, what did Paul say? He said, Submit yourselves or be subject to your own husbands. He didn't say obey. Now, nah, please let me get this uh, let me explain myself properly. I'm not saying he said disobey or do not give any um thought to obedience. I'm just trying to say. That what he said to wives is far deeper, is far uh, more expansive than simple obedience. Obedience has to do with this, do this, don't do that. But God recognizes that the woman will be an adult. He doesn't marry a witch, marry out children. He expects that the man will have married an adult, which means that she thinks she has a will, a mature will. It may not be fully mature and we're all growing, but definitely it's not the will, it's not the stubborn will of a child. God gave that commandments to normal people, and he said a normal woman should have a brain that works, should be able to relate with life, should be an adult. For that reason, he doesn't. He didn't expect her to just be subject to the issue of commandments alone. He said, but children, no, children are different. They are, they live by impulses. They have no experience in life, so you give them instructions. Be on your bed by seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. They are supposed to get up like a robot and walk straight to the bed and lie down. Are you getting my point? That's for children. <laughs> that's the way it is. You know, you look at it. Eight o'clock. Make sure you are snoring. So they put out their on their alarms. Eight guys ign- ignite the snoring mode. So everybody snore. That is coming. <laughs> you you get the logic here. Children. That's how you. They, that's what God expects. They, they, it's as they are growing that they start adjusting and they start changing. But for wives, he said no. Please, let me just read this particular scripture because it just shows us very beautifully. Don't bother opening to it. I will read it for you unless you have an amplified Bible from first, um, first Peter chapter 3. I just want to quickly read that just to help us to see. I want to just see that this was not just the word of Paul, but Jesus taught it to them apparently. And that was why they all lent it. Um, and expressed it in different letters, but almost in the same way. The letter of Paul, of Peter, as amplified in the Amplified Bible, is so dramatic. I feel like reading it to us. Let me just read from verse one. He said, In like manner, you married women, be submissive to your own husbands. This is the amplification. Now listen to this. Subordinate yourselves as being secondary to and dependent on them and adapt yourselves to them. So that even if any do not obey the word of God, they may be won over, not by discussion, but by the godly lives of their wives. When they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourselves, together with your reverence for your husband. Now listen to this. You are to feel for him all that reverence includes. To respect, defer to, revere, to honor, esteem, appreciate, prize. And in the human sense to adore him, that is to admire him, praise and be de- devoted to, deeply love and enjoy your husband. That's the amplified Ring of First Peter chapter three, verses one and two. Now I notice something. In none of this did Peter also emphasize the word obey your husbands. What he said is submit, honor, respect, deeply esteem, you no know, appreciate. And that's what Paul said to us when he, was teaching to the, when he was writing to the women. He said, the first commandment is to the wives. I said that last, I don't want to go over it again. I just want to emphasize the fact that that's different from obedience. Obedience, now let me, I need to add this one to it as I, I'm, I'm revising. Obedience can be enforced. Obed, disobedience usually has punishment attached to it. Submission, however, is different. It cannot be enforced. It is voluntary. Even though commanded by the Lord, it is uh, like uh, the discretion of the submitting party. But, listen to this, even though you cannot enforce it, which means you cannot punish lack of submission, but there is a blessing attached to it, which lack of submission denies the individual. Are you getting my point here? And that was why the commandment was first to the wives, submit to your own husbands, which tells us, therefore, that the Um, The main key for joy and happiness and progress in the marriage is held by that woman. That's just the way it is. Refusal to submit denies a blessing. Refuser to obey brings a punishment. Are you getting my point? So children are trashed for disobeying. If you don't take this out, I give you three strokes of the cane. Do you follow my point? But the man cannot say, next time you talk to me like this, talking to his wife, I'm going to slap you. That is a flesh. Are you getting my point? Yeah, you know, men fall for that once in a while. But that is flesh. It is wrong. The only thing the Bible allows you to do is next time you behave like that, I will try to love you despite. <laughs> I know you know, when you turn your head, like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> but that's what the Bible says. I'm not saying it's easy, okay? But that's what he says. But usually it makes it harder to love the person who is not submissive. So you see, you cannot enforce submission. But you are supposed to enforce obedience. Children will be given rules, and the consequences of disobedience are spelled out. You're not back home by 6 o'clock. You are grounded for one month. You know, stuff like that. Uh-huh. That's, that's how you treat children. All right? Honor, like we say, of course, like you see as we go on. So the, what is the submission? Submission is a process. Uh, it's, uh, submission is when you have two adult wheels coming together. All right? Anytime they differ, one steps down for the other. And it's not just the act. Now, please, that's, that's what I'm going to explain to us. It's not just the act. It's the reasoning process. It's not just the act. It's the attitude. The, uh, uh, Peter says, adapt yourselves. You know, there's something once I told my wife. You know, if, you know, you know jokingly, some of these things cro- uh, start. But because I had some understanding, I had to tell her, I want the baby to stop this thing. I know you don't mean any harm, but I don't want you to do it anymore. No, my wife has a lot of energy, you know. She has a lot of life. She likes to bubble. Now, I used to say that if she did not marry me, she would have been to every continent of this world by now. And Antarctica too. Are you getting my point? And even the Arctic Circle. That's just the way she is, alright? So if they say, tell everybody, don't cross this line, you may fall over the cliff. My wife is on top of that line to look down the cliff. She said, don't cross the line. I didn't cross it. But she'll get as close to the cliff as possible before the law is broken. (laughs) That's just the kind of person that she is. So sometimes when she has some ideas, and I have other ideas, she'll just jokingly say that, ah, my husband, you know you are dry. Do you get my point? You know what it means for a man to be dry? He doesn't like fun, doesn't like a lot of activity. Like one day we were talking, I said, I lived in Lagos for years. I went to the beach. Before we got married, I went to the beach only once. And my wife was alarmed. And the day I went to the beach, it was a friend of mine that came And dragged me that you are always inside your house. So he dragged me out and said let us go. So he tossed me in his car. And we started moving. Then we finally arrived at one of the beaches on the road to Badagri. we were four in the car. Three of them went to the waters. I went under a shed. Brought out my new American Standard Bible and started reading. And when they were done, (laughs) we entered the car. And I drove away That's just the kind of person I was. So when my wife met me, and heard all of this. And I said, ha? which kind of human being is this guy? So inside her mind, she says that, oh, this is my husband. Not a dry guy. Are you getting my point? So, it just, so one day, I had to tell her, I come. I don't want you to ever use that expression again. I said, do you know why? It may sound like a joke. Not like, it sounds sound like we are laughing. But when I give you godly counsel, Satan will remind you he's a dry man. And you will reject godly counsel because you have what the Bible calls a stronghold. Which one is better? Which one is worse? Of the dry man, in quotes now, and the hyperactive babe. Which one <laughs> of them is better? The truth is that none is good, none is bad. Both of them are just there. Do you follow my point? Now, in answer, okay, so what do we now do? The Bible says you have a responsibility. Now, I'm talking to a woman now that adapt yourself to your husband that they start learning how not to like to move around too much. That is it. After a while, your body cools down. People will not... After, after 10 years, they won't recognize you again. You used to be so active. Say, ah, ever since I married, I didn't even know what happened to me. Yet, yeah, that's spiritual. I'm telling you, that's scripture. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Now, if along the line, the Lord... And that's why, as a woman, you must learn to pray. If there's something that is good in it, the Lord says, Banky. Listen to the attitude, no, not attitude now. Listen to the desire of your wife. Do you get my point? Yeah, you put those desires in mind. So remember, I'm taking this commandment separately now. But the woman says, Submit. That's what submission is. It is not, are we going to Switzerland or we are staying in Okonano this Christmas? That's not, the, that's what people think that that is what this issue is. That's not the issue. The issue is that submission is, first of all, I say this attitude that wants to run all over the world. Has now married the guy who wants to stay in one place. The commandment to the woman is, take that attitude and begin to adapt. That's the commandment. If it's okay, I, I heard of um, a, 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 a maybe a conference or something going on in uh, Bujumbura. I would like to go. Then you walk up to the man and say, "Staying at home is good, but can we go to Bujumbura this Christmas?" That. We're not supposed to preach on marriage, so I'm going to stop it there. All right, let let me leave it there. Okay, so that's what submission is. I just read that from First Peter chapter three to emphasize it. Okay, let's go back to our reading for today. Ephesians chapter six is where we will continue. Let me just read the last line of chapter five just to catch up. It says, nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife as himself, that is, the husband. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Please read that 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 in the Amplified Bible again at your own time. You will really be blessed doing that. Now let's continue. Chapter 6. Book of Ephesians. Chapter 6. Now speaking to children. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. New Living Translation is what I'm using to lead the reading. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will live, and you will have a long life on the earth. Please note that verse 3. It was quoting the commandment God gave to Moses. Verse 4, it said, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. In verse 5, he says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, but not just when they are watching. He said, as slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Walk with enthusiasm As though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Now, another commandment to the masters, verse 9. Treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. So remember you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. Alright, the Lord is good. Now, so we're looking at this relationships matter. We have uh, dispensed of the one between husband and wife. Now, we're looking at another example, which is children and uh, parents. He said, children, make sure you obey your parents in the Lord. That is because you belong to the Lord. That is it. There are young people here. These are not infants. Okay. These are people who can listen to instruction. And he was telling them that make sure that you obey your parents. The authority structure between husband and wife is different from that between Parents and children. Now, you are supposed to obey your parents. And he said, This has a blessing. That when God was giving the commandment to Moses, he specifically brought out the blessing that is attached to honoring parents. Now, let me just really say something honoring parents is beyond obedience. Obedience is one of the um, manifestations of honor that we have for parents. When we obey our parents, okay. Now and again, this was speaking. I'm persuaded, even though I really can't prove it. Now, it was talking to people who are still with their parents, because you see, one of the reasons why I believe that God did not command submission for children is because submission is supposed to be. Let me use the expression everlasting. I everlasting now. Till death separates you, but for children, it's not so. The Bible commands that the time will come that the parent will leave the the son will leave the father and the mother, and be joined to his wife. And then the that, that woman at that point is given out by the parents in marriage. So that comes to an end. And at that point, this principle of obey your parents don't work anymore. Now you have become a father in your own house. You have become a mother over your own empire. So this rule does not apply to you anymore. However, the issue of honoring parents remains. As I see, honor is more extensive than obedience. Honoring parents remain. Honoring parents remain. That one is different. Because you see, when Jesus was speaking about it, he gave an example. He said, Moses gave you a commandment, which is honor your father and your mother. He said, but you make the commandment, the word of God of no effect, by your tradition. How did they do that? They said that if your parents need something, and you have. But you say, I've already dedicated this to God. I can't give to you. He said by, remember we said obedience is what God actually wants. He said because they want to give something to God, you cannot help your parents. He said by doing that, you have made the word of God of no effect. What was that word? Honor your father and your mother. What does that tell you therefore? That is, it shows us that giving to parents, taking care of elderly people, all right, in our, in our lives, that our parents is part of honoring parents. It's very terrible. You know, sometimes when you, let me tell you something quickly, huh? God's blessings are difficult to judge. What I mean is that you see a man is blessed, you can't easily see his life and say this is why he's blessed. It's so difficult. In fact, the Bible says that by faith we understand that the words that are framed by the word of God are the things that we see are not easily explained by things that are visible. Let me just quickly prove that to you in case you're wondering. A land was flowing with milk and honey and God said, I am going to kill everybody that's living there. What does that tell you? It's not their lifestyle that produced the milk and honey. Israel was coming out of Egypt to come and take a land flowing with milk and honey. And God said the land was polluted. Yet it was still flowing with milk and honey. The Israelites arrived and they found the place abundantly blessed. Egypt used irrigation. These people were not using irrigation. They were tapping water from heaven. In Egypt, grapes were good yield to come. You find grapes, find some other things. But when they came to the promised land... (laughs) A whole bunch in Egypt was one fruit in the promised land. Yet, the promised land people, God said, this is their final hour. I'm killing all of them. So the blessing was in the land. The people were not blessed people. Yet, the blessing was in the land. And God said, I'm removing them. So blessing is very difficult to judge. Be very, very careful. You see what I'm saying in the moment. Many of us, we copy what is modern because Americans do it it's the reason why God said I will remove them and bring the Syrians to take their land. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Believe me, those days, whites were the majority in the United States. Now minorities are almost equal to them in number. Like when you put the minorities together, they are catching up with the whites in population. If you think God has stopped replacing people, he's still doing it. God replaces people. But why is he replacing them? You may not know. You may see that the land is good, things are working. God said, hey, Listen, the people are there, I'm removing them and replacing them. And there are many reasons why He does this. I'm going somewhere, you see where I'm going. Some of the attitudes you find where people, you know, it's very In Nigeria, we don't have many old people's homes. And may we not have? Somebody say, Amen. amen. Yeah, we don't want. Some things are not signs of development, they are signs of backsliding. You know why we don't have old people's homes? Our homes, our old people's homes. God has done in such a manner that we don't know how to take our old people and go and dump them somewhere. It's not because of lack of... In fact, the more money we have, the more we make sure we don't do that. The less money we have, we realize that we can't even afford to do it. <laughs> so, whichever way, we thank God that we are compelled to obey His word. And that's why, with all the negative things we have with us, that is still a reason why there's some blessing that we can hold on to. Because we don't have a blessing pronounced upon the whole race. I said that before. These are the little ways we tap small, small blessings here and there. Thank God we don't have orphanages much. We have a few. But our own is that, if man die, wife die, the, the brothers and sisters know. Look... <laughs> It's not discussed though. It's not like, okay, what are we going to do? It's who is taking over this responsibility. It is not what. It's who. And the man that does not do it, everybody starts abusing him. Don't mind a foolish man. He can't take care of his of his brother's children. Because we expect him to do it. But you know, if an man does it, he's oh he's such a nice guy, he's so kind, oh you know <laughs> you know Ken Hagen said something once? I felt like I say, oh God, you've working in that place. <laughs> He said, when his, I think his uh, father in law was going to die, and he was worried or something, and they had to tell him not to worry that they would take care of his wife. And, like, you need to tell your father in law that you take care of your mother in law. You need to say it. That don't worry, she will have a home with us. <laughs> no, for here. He go park by himself, <laughs> <so> they come on <laughs> you, discuss with you, say what have. <laughs> The Lord is good. That's why, I, look, in your life, when you are praying to God for things, make allowance for things like this. So. Yes. Yeah, yes. Anytime I want to get a house, I always make allowance for one extra room. Because I know somebody will knock on my door one day without telling me he's coming. What am I going to say? Oh, sorry, you didn't tell me we're coming. Oh, well, my family's but family. <laughs> God will just put you out of ministry. You know your own door end. <laughs> so to prevent those kind of wahalas, You leave a room. These are things we must not lose. It is not everything that the white man is doing or so called civilized people are doing that you are supposed to copy. Some of them are very bad. Please, I hope you get my point here. It's very important, very important. So, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Honoring parents is not just about obedience, obedience is part of it. The fact that we take time out to take care of our elderly people is a blessed thing. That was why Paul brought it out. There is a divine precept. It's a divine principle which Moses wrote portions of it and wrote in the commandment and said honor your father and your mother so that it will go well with you. Insurance does not guarantee it will go well with you. Planning your future. Many people just plan. You know, we are Christians. We must plan like people who understand spiritual things. You are planning your future. God gave this one to us. If you like job from now to tomorrow, if you don't give honor to your father and your mother, you are going to die fast. Look, I don't care. If you like, go for checkup regularly. And I hope you know check-up. Can I digress? I'm helping you now. I hope you don't mind. I already know this one. I just, you, I want to tell. <laughs> check-up doesn't prolong your life. For God, if you make it look like you go for check-up, 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 rather check you up or check you down. Listen, the day you are going to die, you are going to die. I'm not joking. That was supposed to be a joke. Medically, we have found that cancers you can detect early, we're not going to kill you fast. Do you hear what I said? Okay, let me explain. As you check cancer in your body every two years, they have found that the ones you can catch early, so that you will treat them before they kill you, we're not planning to kill fast. The ones that kill fast, they normally, you did your checkup today, you are different that one in 24 months, they start six months after your last checkup. But then you come to 24 months later and say, Ah, are you not going to do checkups? I did it two years, two years ago. The thing will have grown like a madman. They call them interval cancers. So one American uh, the physician says, please don't bother with checkup; it's, it's not helping. That all it does is to create anxiety in you. Now, I'm not teaching one side or the other now, but I'm just telling you, there's no guarantee outside there. There's no guarantee. Go and read Ben Carson's book. Um, uh, no, take that risk. Ben Carson works in one of the top medical centers in the world. He does prostate check every, that routinely. Then one day, he developed an aggressive form of prostate cancer. And it surprised the doctors that with all the regular checks, they did not detect it on time. That they did not detect it before it became symptomatic. It's God that saved his life. Go and read the book. Take that risk. He said, you'll discover that when he's operating, unlike him that could stand for a long time, every few minutes he takes a break to go and empty his bladder. Ah, he said, what's going on? So he went to see the urologist. Make it long story sure they biopsied his, his prostate and found out that he had an aggressive form of cancer. And that's the funny part. The aggressive ones usually are not detectable by screening. <laughs> I've told you. You want to live long, you pray. You will kneel down and say, God, how far? Please, protect me from all evil. No matter how much you check yourself or don't check yourself, there's one foolish man yesterday in Houston. He took a gun. I stood by the roadside and was shooting everybody that's passing. <laughs> oh, you, you don't read the news? He just stood by the roadside and was shooting everybody passing in their cars, though. They're not walking on the road, though. He just carried a gun. As your car is going by, boom, boom, you didn't do him anything. He doesn't want to steal your money. <laughs> After he had shot nine people, the, the, I don't think he killed any one of them. A lot of them were injured. Nine people were injured. That was when police finally managed to shoot him. I don't know which checkup that will have prevented the bullet from. <laughs> the Lord is good. I want to say is that there are precepts in the scriptures. He said, honor your father and your mother, that it may be well with you and that you may live long. You want to live long, it's not about you can't check yourself into a long life. There are some small, small things that the Bible has told us that we must do. What does honor mean? When you're under their watch, you obey when you're outside their watch, you give to them. You take care of them. You ask after them. You make sure their welfare is in your heart. So people want to remember their parents when they are finished building their own house. You know, those, some of those parents are very, very smart. As long as they finish building their house, they will die. Oh, let me just now. Let's talk. Why do people leave important things to last? You want to honor your father and your mother after you bought a car, after you built a house, after you have finished everything, and that's a hand. Let me, now, let me now do something for my father. The man is dead. He will just deny you that opportunity. When you have finished, you spend the first 15 years of your hard-working life taking, settling yourself. Now I turn and I say, let me remember him. So you are going home. You just hear that he's in hospital. You rush down there. Once he hears your footsteps at the door, he will breathe his last. Really. I've had that discussion with parents once in a while. I said, look, I tell both my own parents and my wife's parents, we'll tell them once in a while. If there's this want to show them small honor. They are protesting. I said, you need to you know you are young people. You are. I said, there's going to be a very long time. <laughs> the time they have to enjoy this is not that long. We have a long time to settle ourselves. Don't worry. You find young people finish school. You start earning money. The first thing you want to do is to buy the Brazilian hair you've been denied for so long. That's the last hair you will have. That is the one your natural one to is going. That's what I mean. I don't mean the, the natural one too is going. I mean, the moment you first earn you start settling some things that are more important. Say, ah, all these years, all I've been doing in this house is collect, collect, collect. This now, this time around, I'm earning. You are going home. I don't care how you reach your father, either. you are going home. You make sure your presence always brings, it, it, it smells nice. You know, you know, it's smelling nice. So when they are approaching, they know that Wahala don't come. He wants to beg for money. As soon as you are as you are arriving, people know that listen, no, at least pineapple he will bring. At least he'll buy oranges and bring. Take play, pride in the fact that, listen, aha, uh-huh, that stuff my father is wearing, I made it. I paid for it. Doesn't mean you you know, some people think ah you don't hammer. You spiritually, yes, you have hammered, amen. You have made it spiritually. But it doesn't mean that physically. There are things you won't have a lot of time to do. I mean, like I always tell you people, you leave school. You were in campus. You were in the fellowship. All of you used to pray and hustle together. Now you are earning money. Abba, what is it? Remember those boys you left behind in school. One day just, as soon as, soon as salary is being paid, take a huge chunk, load one massive amount of credit. You have their full numbers. And start distributing five, five hundred naira. Just start distributing it, 500 naira. Each person, 500 naira. By the time they all get it, hey, you know, those young boys, they can speak in tongues. (laughs) Yeah, they start speaking in tongues for you. They start blessing you. That's what you need. You don't need a car. That is what you need. It's Christmas time. Forget all that lie. Those who want you to remain in poverty and be um, uh, bound to them. Do not tell you that if you give those women in the village um, uh, clothes, they will use it to do witchcraft. Please, is a lie. When they tell, they say, look, Banky says it's a lie. Tell them, Banky is a man of God. He's a lie. And I don't mean spiritual man of God. I mean a real man of God. He's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lie. It's a lie. And you go home, Christmas time. I mean, you go to the market long before. Don't go to the market Christmas period. Go like October. Before the price, you know Nigeria now. <laughs> before, before price start climbing. These rolls of print, do you follow? They're not too expensive. God is blessing you and you have money. Buy like 20 and keep it at home. to a few bags of rice. Christmas time, you go back. Each of your aunties, one, 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 one. One, one. The one that's a witch will leave the cove on that day. I, I promise you that. <laughs> Behind them, one, one. One, one. As soon as they come, don't be afraid. Nobody can kill you. <laughs> That when they see you, now they do like this, you won't see again. You will see. The, you know, these are the ways by which Satan keeps people in bondage. The kind of thing they should do to bring blessings on their life, they won't do it. As they are coming, give each person one. If God gives you um, um, plenty of cash, with that one, you put small notes inside. Uh, listen, the ones that are evil, they can't do anything. The ones that are good, they will start pouring blessings. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother. Those who took care of you when you were young, your aunties and all of that, they qualify for a bit of that uh, commandment. It's honor. It doesn't mean they need it per se. It's, there's a difference between honor and helping people. You can help your parents if they need it, alright? But honor is, is beyond that. If they need it, as part of honor. But even when they don't need it, you have to show something. I, uh, how do I say it? I don't know how to say it again. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Even if your father is very rich, they let him dress up one day as he's putting on the tie, wearing the suit. He knows that this is the one you sent. It has a different feel on the body. I hope you get my point. It has a different feel. It has a different feel. The the food tastes different when you are the one that pays for it. It has a different taste. But my message is don't leave it till you are comfortable. These are priority matters. You don't change your wardrobe yet. Be managing look, you know, listen. The, you didn't die all these years. We were wearing cheap shirts. Now you got a good job. If you wear the same old shirts for another one year, you, are you likely to die? The Lord is good. That, that's Christianity. Remember, we said Christianity is showing what in relationships. In our relationships, all right. I just want to emphasize that. Okay. So that's what he said there. I just want to emphasize the show of honor. It's so when you say honor your father and your mother. Things will go well for you. And you have a long life on the earth. I told the story here before, but it's just so appropriate. I use it again this time around. A young man whose life was going on nicely, but all his siblings, nothing seemed to be working well for them. And he considered it. What was happening? I heard the story. I don't know the guy directly. And I wonder something came to his mind. Of when they had a real showdown in the house, he and his siblings, against their parents. And it was a real war of words in the house that day. Because the parents did some things that were not um, right in the children's opinion. They were seen in the household, but they were adults. He so said that day, after everybody had settled down, he felt very bad. He went back to his father, his parents, and he prostrated full on the ground and told them that he was sorry. And the father looked at him and said, you, it will be well with you. So that's the only thing that came to his mind. So all the problems in their lives that he did not have, he traced it to one day. That his father looked at him and said, you, it will be well with you. There's a difference with, between a blessing that is normally pronounced and one that is provoked. Mm. Yes. A blessing you provoke is more powerful than the one that is normally pronounced. He yeah. became a man and it was well with him. The Lord is good. Yes. A young man came to me once, went to a to go and do a program. I just want to tell that story so that young people will know how to relate. To relate with parents and stuff. Listen. The greatest thing your father could ever do for you was to make sure you were born. That's not all the father should do. But once he has done that one, manage that one. And so, your mother, she gave birth to you, that's the greatest. Every other madness she participated in, overlook it. Because young people sometimes they don't, they just they behave ignorantly. I went to pray that day in the way, and a young man came to me and said that. He's so happy I came, he needs to talk to me, otherwise he's going to do something terrible. What is the terrible thing? said, my father is not behaving like a father at all. What does your father do that's not like a father? He said, the man is selling land. And he's just wasting and eating the money. Like family land. Okay. Any other thing? No. That's all? Hey. I said, thank God I came. <laughs> I asked the guy, how old are you? 30 something. Your father is selling land and is not sharing the money with you and you are 30 something. Did you go to school? He said yes. Who paid? My father. Okay. You went to school. This your father does not even like a father was the one that paid for you to go to school. I said, do you work? He said, yes, I do. He said, I'm a farmer. What do you farm? I farm, I'm a poultry farmer. Aha. Uh-huh. So you have income? He said yes. Let me not bore you with the details. I told the young man, I said, listen, if your father sells his land, takes the money, cuts it to pieces, pours it in the toilet, and flushes it's none of your business. <laughs> That's what I told him. That's exactly what I, told him. I said. If the man shreds the money, pours it into a toilet, and flushes it, it does not concern you. I said, He gave you life. Ha-ha. And even, <laughs> he even sent you to school. It's not land that's the problem. You farm. I said, how many days have you gone home? And you just go home, you put a crate of eggs down and say to your father, this is part of the produce from my field. He had never done it. I said, listen, my friend, this is how Christian young men behave. Periodically, you take some of your old layers, have it dressed, you know, what no, they call dress chicken. I don't mean you work pattern and uh, something for it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you kill it. You know, they do the whole thing. They wrap it whole and go to the man and greet him. Drop it and walk away. As the Christmas time is coming, how much did they say emotion paint? Tell your father to give you two days. Get one of these jobless young boys that who know how to paint. Buy emotion paint. Repaint the whole house for the man. I said, that's all. You're not allowed to ask him for anything. I'm not saying do this, then he will remember to give you land. That's not what I mean. So, you know, these days, People say, as you are doing like that, God God will just be giving you the land back. No. You are still a sinner if you ask how you are thinking. You know what he said? Do this because it is the right thing to do. That's what Paul wrote there, Ephesians chapter 6. All right? He said, verse 1, Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Let's learn to do things because they are the right things to do. Yes, sir. So the young man, listen, your father's money is his problem. It doesn't concern you. What you now are supposed to do is make sure that God is blessing you. The man is testing from your blessing.